0: Uh, good morning, everybody. Are you cool enough? We need the rain, don't we? We really do. There's a suggestion we might get some today, but uh, not until we've had our family barbecue, thank you. So, um, but anyway, it's great to see you all here today. May God bless you, particularly dads. May you be honoured and blessed uh, today, because I want to pick up on uh, today's theme and think about the nature and character of a biblical father. And that great passage that uh, uh, Gemma just read to us is a wonderful picture from Jesus as to what fathering is truly all about. None of us would be here if it were not for our fathers. Think about it for a moment. As dads, we kind of set the ball in motion and then mums do all the hard work. If you're a dad and you've been at the birth of any of your children, then you should have great admiration for their mothers. What they go through to bring us into the world is incredible. We as dads have the easy job and the enjoyable job. But it all begins with a dad. But despite that fact... Fatherlessness is at an all-time high in our nation. Ten years ago, there were estimated to be one million children growing up in the UK without a father in a lone parent family where mum was taking care of them. That was ten years ago. In 2021, that figure rose to three million children in our country who are not in regular contact With their father there were a group of dads a number of years ago who created an organization called fathers for justice and they dressed in lycra as heroes like Superman and Spider-Man and all those different superheroes and the guy who headed it up was a guy called Matt O'Connor incredibly controversial he was got up to all manner of antics and annoyed lots of people, but they did it because he was making the point that when many families break up and divorce is the result, many fathers are not allowed regular access to their children. And so he set up this group of dads and they did great protests. Uh, You may have been aware of it. But this is one of two things that he said about fathers. Dads give kids tenderness they give them another viewpoint they let them see the strength and gentleness that strength and gentleness can go hand in hand they instill social and moral values that help children develop their own codes they help kids test their strengths and boundaries and through game and rough and tumble enable them to develop both confidence and self-esteem kids can have fun with their dads but Increasing numbers of children are now growing up without a father. One in four kids is now raised without a dad in the UK. When it comes to black children, that figure is a staggeringly one in two children. There is, whichever way you carve up the figures, a depressing statistical association between fatherlessness, criminality, and other social ills. Children who live apart from their biological fathers are on average at least two or three times more likely to be poor, to use drugs, to experience educational health, educational uh, lack, health, emotional, and behavioral problems, to be victims of child abuse and to engage in criminal behavior than those who live with their married, biological, or adoptive parents. Now, you might be aware of some of those facts, but it is a fact that fatherlessness is a big, big issue in our nation today. On Mother's Day, those guys who are in prison send thousands and thousands of Mother's Day cards to their mums. When it comes to Father's Day, apparently very few Father's Day cards are sent from prison to dads. Tells a story. We had read to us just now from Emma. Out of the passage in the scripture, if you just want to check it again, it's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son and the father's response. And Jesus was often lambasted by the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law because he associated with tax collectors and with notorious sinners whom the scribes and teachers of the day referred to as scum. Not a very nice term, but that's what they called the kinds of people that Jesus associated with. He associated with ordinary people. He associated with the outcasts of society. And on one occasion, Jesus told them a story to illustrate that God has compassion for those who are classed as the dregs and the outcasts of society. And Jesus said... Why? Was because he came to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So he tells them this wonderful story to show them what God is really like. That's the whole purpose of the prodigal son. God is the perfect father, and Jesus tells his story so that they can understand what fatherhood is is really all about. And I'm going to run through it with us this morning and just highlight a few things. Okay, first of all, in our story, the father was faithful. Scripture says of this son who'd gone away, wasted his dad's wealth, messed up his life, the Bible says that when the son, who was in a terrible mess, realized his predicament, he said, I will go to my father. Despite the mess and the shame that this boy had got into, despite the dishonor that he had brought to his father's name, he knew that his dad would be there for him. You see, faithfulness in fathering is an essential quality. No matter how much our children might disappoint us, we have a responsibility. From the moment they are born... To the moment we die or they die, we have a responsibility as dads to be faithful to them. Because fathering, firstly, is about faithfulness to our children. Scripture says in the Old Testament, this wonderful verse where God says to his people, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With unfailing love or loving kindness, I have drawn you to myself. That Phrase, unfailing love, is a beautiful Hebrew word, hesed, which means faithful love. That's what God is like. That is the essence of a true father, a man who is faithful to his children, whatever they do, wherever they go, whatever may happen in life, a dad who will always be there to welcome them and to receive them back, no matter what errors they make. This is how God, the perfect father, loves you and me. Paul says in the scriptures, if we are faithless, God will remain faithful. I want to just read you a little story here at this point about a family. Tom and May had a whirlwind romance. She first met him in her late teens. He was a handsome American GI. And one night he spotted her about to cross the road when suddenly a car came around the corner and Tom instinctively reached out an arm and pulled her back just in time. May blushed and instantly fell for this handsome American soldier. They soon married and she began travelling with him around the world as he was stationed in places like Germany, France and America. Soon three children came along but Tom was restless And whilst a lot of fun to be with, children were a responsibility that he didn't really want to carry. He much preferred to be off with the lads in Paris or some American city. Times when Tom was home, giving his full attention to his children were rare. But the few that there were forged precious memories which his children still hold on to today. The boy... And two girls increasingly lived in a dysfunctional family. And Tom's self-centeredness caused them and his wife great pain. Why didn't he want to be a father to his children? Why did he love his freedom more than his children? Why did his wife weep night after night when he would come home rolling drunk? By the time the oldest girl was 11, Tom had packed them off to England on a Cunard liner saying that he did not want to see them again and that so far as they were concerned, they no longer had a father. That little girl and her brother and sister became another family breakdown statistic and the pain of her abandonment burned within her heart. Often she would pray, Jesus I'll go and be a missionary in Africa if only you would bring my daddy back to me. But he never came back. And she grew up fatherless and deeply ashamed of the stigma of her parents' divorce. She never saw her father again until she was nearly 30 with two children of her own. And trying to turn the clock back and understand why he did what he did to her was impossible. But at least she was able to forgive him. Today, that little girl is my wife. It's a familiar story. Dads need to be faithful to their children, whatever happens, whatever they go through. And Jesus shows us here in the story that God is faithful to every single one of us, no matter what twists and turns our lives might take. Always be there for your children. You dads here and granddads, always be there for your children, whatever twists and turns their lives might take. Second thing about our story is that the father was aware because it says, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. This father didn't have a kind of of out-of-sight, out-of-mind attitude. He was watching. He was waiting for his son. Now, generally speaking, men are not as aware of their children as women or mothers are. Would you agree with that, ladies? Well, J. John thinks that's the case because he wrote something like this on one occasion. He said, Mothers know everything there is to know about their children their moods, their habits, their likes and dislikes, their friends, their worries, their fears, their interests, their temperaments, and their happy place. Fathers are vaguely aware of some small people in the house. <laughs> it's true. Mums know so much about the children. They, they know all the little intricate details about them. But dads, well, we can often be quite unaware of what's going on in their hearts and lives. Do you know it's far too easy to become so busy with our jobs and with our careers as dads, that we overlook the fact that our children are around. Sometimes it almost seems as if they're kind of a bit in the way because, well, I'm climbing the career ladder. My job is really important. I'm tired. I'm busy. It's all too easy to sometimes say to them, go off and play when we think that what we're doing is far more important than who they are. You see, the story of the father that we have here from the Bible shows us that he was not too busy, shows us that he had a heart for this broken-hearted son, and that he was ready to welcome him back. He was fully aware that his son needed the open arms of welcome, and he was aware of what this boy's life was all about. There's a lovely statement in the book of James that simply says this. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Sometimes we need to run after our children, literally metaphorically prayerfully we need to be constantly having a heart that is aware and that is reaching out for our children but then in the story again Jesus points out that the father gave teaching to the son because it says but the father said bring the finest robe in the house the last thing you would put on a dirty, dishevelled, swine-smelling son would be the best robe. Have you ever seen anybody in Marks and Spencers trying clothes on that looks like a tramp? No. When we're going to buy clothes, we, we like to look nice, we like to smell nice, we like to look appropriate for the new garment we're trying on. This son—imagine the mess that he was. He had become the lowest of lowest in terms of slavery in biblical times. He was feeding pigs. And that was a shameful thing to do for a Jewish boy. He would have smelt filthy. He would have looked filthy. But dad says, bring the finest robe. He wanted to teach something. And the lesson that he wanted to teach was the lesson of grace. Because grace always gives us what we do not deserve. Can you imagine the servants thinking, the finest robe for this filthy son? Goodness me, we don't get the finest robe and we're clean and tidy and we serve in the house, but the finest robe? You just imagine what must have been going through their lives. But he taught something that dad did, that grace covers our shame. The Bible says, by grace you are saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God. God covers us with grace, our shame. We've all messed up. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the standard that God expects. We've all sinned. We've all failed. But his grace covers the shamefulness of the condemnation that sin brings upon every single one of us. This father taught this son that there was something that could cover the shame that he had brought to his family. Bible says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. That's a picture of God's grace. He covers our sinfulness. He covers our shame through the blood of Jesus. Jesus. And we need to be fathers who love our children unconditionally and always show them grace. If you do this, you'll be teaching your children the heart and nature of God himself. Because as fathers, our behavior will either show our children what God is like or close their hearts and minds to him. You see, children initially understand what God is like from their earthly fathers let me read you something that Mark Stibbe wrote he said if you had an angry father you may conceive God as volatile unpredictable stern and quick to anger if you had a father who abandoned you you may feel that you can't quite trust God not to do the same if you had a father who abused you you may see God as a father whose touch you'd avoid at any cost if you had a father who didn't keep his promise to you you may come to believe that God isn't trustworthy if you had a father who was stingy you may have problems with the idea that God is lavishly generous if you had a father who was sick and weak you may find it difficult to picture God as strong and an almighty father If you had a father whose death traumatized you, you may struggle to see God as a father who is truly alive. If you had a father who lived apart from you, you may feel that God can only be rarely encountered. If you had a father who was emotionally absent, you may tend to think of God as disengaged and detached. Can you see the equation here? Hurt by an earthly father we become suspicious of our heavenly Father. Many years ago, somebody wrote a prayer and it became a a beautiful song. I'll read it to you. Simply called, Teach Me How to Pray. One night, a sleepy little boy knelt beside his bed. He smiled and looked into my eyes and this is what he said, Daddy, my daddy, You've taught me lots today, so Daddy, my Daddy, teach me how to pray. You brought me home a brand new kite and showed me how to fly, and there isn't no other kid whose Dad can knock a ball so high. I'd like to thank God for you, but I don't know what to say, so Daddy, my Daddy, teach me how to pray. I had to turn and leave the room And he began to cry. I didn't want my boy to know, but so did I. His best pal had forsaken him, but what was there to say? For daddy, his daddy, had forgotten how to pray. What a valuable lesson we teach our children from their infancy when we pray with them before they sleep. When we teach them to connect with a heavenly father. It's so vitally important, and we have a responsibility as dads to teach our children wholesome and timeless truths concerning the nature and the heart of God himself. In the Old Testament, when the people of Israel stood at Mount Sinai and God came down and he gave the Ten Commandments, sometime later, God reminded them of this. He said, keep a close watch on yourselves, Don't forget anything what you see. Don't let your heart wander off. Stay vigilant as long as you live. Teach what you have seen and heard to your children and your grandchildren. And the Apostle Paul follows it up in another way where he simply says, Fathers, don't be hard on your children. Raise them properly. Teach and instruct them about the Lord. But then also in our story, something else we learn about dads, and it's this, the father was the son's hero because the dad said, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Superheroes are mainly defined by courage and bravery. This father had the courage to reinstate his son by giving him a ring and sandals. A ring was very significant. It spoke about a significant relationship. The sandals were also significant because servants didn't wear sandals. Sandals were only for those who were in the family. So this was significant and the father had the courage to do things that would have gone against the grain so far as everybody else was concerned. He had the bravery to face the wrath of the elder brother. The father stood up for this shameful son. The father affirmed the sinful son. The father accepted him back despite the rebelliousness of this son. Isn't that exactly what God does for each and every one of us? isn't that exactly how he treats us do you know the greatest heroes are those who do not judge but willingly forgive and God just welcomes us Bible says he clothes us in a robe of righteousness he says you are my son you are my daughter you are an heir with me because of Jesus he reinstates us no matter how far we have fallen he reinstates us to a place of sonship or daughtership because of his love that is unconditional towards each and every one of us dads and granddads here today be heroes to your children by the way you honor them and love them and then just before we get to the end fifthly This father was a godly example because he said, we need to celebrate. You see, as Jesus told this story, it was obvious that he wanted the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to understand that the example they portrayed of God was actually a total misrepresentation of what God is really like. They were harsh, they were judgmental, they were critical, they were condemning. There was a hardness about the Jewish leaders and teachers. Jesus wanted to show them what a real father should be by telling us what God is really like. And he gives the example when he shows that God is firstly filled with generosity This dad gave the son a kiss of welcome. You ever kissed anybody with manure all around their face from the pigsty? He kissed his son. And I guess he repeatedly kissed him. There was a generosity of love. He gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. He gave him sandals. And if that wasn't enough, he gave the fatted calf. The fatted calf was kept just for very special occasions, for very special and important guests, only for the VIPs. But he was so generous. Nothing would be held back for this son who returned to father's house. Are you generous in heart, in spirit, to your children and grandchildren? But also, we find that this dad showed mercy because he forgave him instantly. The son comes with his little speech. He says, Dad, I have sinned. He'd rehearsed this in the pigsty. He said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against. You and against heaven and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If you would just take me in and make me a servant in your house, that's all I'm asking. So he had his little speech prepared and he he arrives, his dad kisses him. He says, dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He never got the whole speech out because his dad showed him mercy. He said, you are forgiven. You are my son. He reinstates him and he lavishes him with the grace that covers the shame that's what God is like and as dads that's what we need to be like but then also of course he has a party parties are good fun aren't they except when your neighbors have them and they're a bit loud but generally parties are great what do you have a party for a party is about being non-judgmental party is about being hospitable a party is about a joyful celebration Others would have judged this son. Others would have punished this son. Others would have refused hospitality to this son. But dad says it's time to party. What an example of the heart and nature of God towards us. You know, too often we want to behave like the older brother. We read how he criticised He said, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours has brought shame to the household. He's been with prostitutes. He's lived a decadent life. Do you know why we judge people? Because it makes us feel better. We judge people because subconsciously we're saying, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have lived like that. I wouldn't have behaved like him. And it makes us feel better. Because it's rooted in pride. But God is not like the older brother. He's more ready to forgive and to party than to judge any day. And in the previous verses to what Gemma read, Jesus said, There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Did you know that heaven is constantly having a party? Every person that gives their heart and life to Jesus, they have a party. The moment you gave your heart and life to Jesus, the moment you came and said, God, I'm a sinner, please forgive me, heaven erupted. And it constantly erupts. God loves to party. And Jesus tells us that here in this same passage. And the Bible reminds us that we need to look to ourselves rather than judging others. And I love what it says in the Message Bible. Quit. Dabbling in sin, purify your inner life, quit playing the field. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule, which is love your neighbours, yourself. It's his royal rule that takes a beating with that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. Let's be an example of generosity, of mercy, of party towards our children. Finally, number six, this father was restoring. Because he says, my son was lost, but now he's found. We've welcomed him back home again. Here is the perfect picture of God's restorative grace. No matter how far we fall, how deep we sink, how much we mess up, God will never turn his back on us. That's the heart of the perfect father. His arms are always open to receive us. He's ready to forgive all our failings. And this story perfectly expresses something that the apostle Paul said in Galatians 4. And I just put it up. He said this. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves. We were in the same mess that this prodigal son was in. He came to buy freedom for us so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. That beautifully sums up what this story is all about. And what God in Jesus has done for each and every one of us. Now I'm fully aware this morning that there are those of us here who are still waiting for our children to return. Like the father in the story, we have prayed and prayed and we prayerfully Keep looking and hoping. May you be encouraged by this verse of scripture. God says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I'll round up all your scattered children. I'll pull them in from the east and the west. I'll send orders north and south, send them back. Return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from far away places. I want them back. Every last one who bears my name, every man, every woman and child who I created for my glory, yes, who I personally formed and made each and every one. That's God's heart. And if you are longing today for children to return to Father's house, don't give up. Claim that promise as your own. Now, if you were very observant this morning, I just end with this. Being a biblical dad simply means being first of all faithful aware a teacher a hero an example and a restorer it's the word father and it beautifully comes out of this wonderful story that jesus told i like the music team just to return i want to read a prayer would you all stand with me It's a prayer that Rob Parsons prayed or wrote some time ago. And I want to read it, and I want it to be our prayer this morning as we draw this time to a close and then sing a song. This is a great story that Jesus told, but remember it is about showing us what God is really like as the perfect Father. And this is a prayer for the prodigals. Lord... Only you know where our prodigals are. Not just the physical place, but in their hearts, their minds, their spirits. None of us can hide from you. And who is lost that you cannot find? We pray for them. Lord, bring them home. Not just to us. Not even first to us, but to you forgive us as parents friends or churches if we've made it easier for them to leave and harder to come back wherever they are and whatever they are doing touch their lives and when they come home give us the spirit of the father and not the elder brother and Lord There are some of us who to the outside world seem never to have left father's house but we ourselves know how far we've wandered bring us back also and lord when they come back those who have gone away those who have wandered near then teach us all that sometimes in your kingdom it's not another meeting we need but a party and father I would just want to add that today you will bring back our lost sons and daughters to your house and give us not only as dads but as mums as well the heart of father God towards them and may we rejoice in seeing many prodigals returning to your house in the days ahead for Jesus sake Amen